we've been talking about um, uh, faith checkup, and we are going to go into some things that I believe are important for the church. Amen. God has been giving me these things for the last few years because it's something that Liz and I have lived. We have walked this walk. We keep walking this walk. And, and we've been directed from various places on the globe to be at this place. Amen. And I believe we're standing at the best spot. This is the right spot. This is where I need to be on this Sunday. Amen. And some of the things that you are getting here, and um, they are vital. Amen. It's not, you are not just getting dessert here. You're getting food. Amen. And it's necessary that the church of God, the flock is fed. The Bible even says that you must give the flock food in, its t- in the right time. Amen. You need food to be able to be strong when you go out there and you meet the enemy and Satan wants to fight you and destroy you. Personally, we've been, when we started pastoring a church, we were only 24 years old. I mean, we're youngsters. At 24, we knew, we knew nothing, but God was faithful. As we kept on listening to the rhema, we went through the high waters. We've been to places where people would be, I mean, man, we've been everywhere. would be 1 a.m. in the morning in a house where somebody's committing suicide, trying to help them. We've been in a place where somebody's with a rope about to jump down a tree, you know, and, and, but what kept us going was understanding some of these things. Amen. And I wish I understood a lot of what I understand now then, because nobody ever taught me this revelation then. Amen. I wish I knew these things. Now, we're going to go to the first slide because we end up running out of time, so we don't want to spend too much time on other things. We want to go straight to what God has called us to, to look at. Um, the first slide says genuine faith requires constant checkups. I have put this slide just to recap on just this one. Then we're going to go to the, some of the things I want to talk about. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Um, you can read in any other Bible in the New Living in the Message if you like, but my reading is going to be from the Message. But it basically says the same thing. It says test, your, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Um, you know, and when you read other versions in different versions, you, you, I think it's the New Living that says, uh, test yourself to see, that, to see if your faith is genuine. I think it's the New Living. If you read the New Living, it will say to see if your faith is genuine. Amen? Um, why? Because faith is what we need to change things. But I want to really... Um, give this to you now most of you when you look at the bible there's an idea that the disciples when you look at the book of acts how many of you know the book of acts i hope you have read the book of acts when you read the book of acts and you see all the miracles that was done in the book of acts there's almost this thinking that the the apostles in the book of acts said the bible the apostle did not have the new testament they did not have Matthew and Mark and John and Luke. They did not have those scriptures. They didn't even have the, the book of Acts because the book of Acts, two-thirds of that book was written by Paul. So Paul, who does many miracles in the, in the book, John and James and most of these apostles that do these great and mighty moving miracles. I mean, some of the miracles we don't even see in our day. A guy like Peter, the Bible says that when Dorcas died, they called the apostle Peter, and Peter got Dorcas out of death. Peter raised Dorcas out of the dead. I mean, some of you have been Christians for 40 years, 50 years, and you have never seen a person being raised from the dead in our time. So what I'm trying to get to you here is that the disciples never had a Bible to go and confess a scripture with. 
They will not go back into the only the Old Testament. They will not go back in the book of Luke and say, um, then Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. They could not read that. They didn't have that. But yet they did notable miracles. Yet they walked in faith. Yet they walked in power. Yet the, the blind could see. Yet mighty things happened in their time. Yet they did not have a Bible. Why? Because real faith does not come by reading the Bible. It's, it's quiet in this religious I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get real faith, the real genuine faith. Faith is an utterance that comes out of the mouth of God into your spiritual man. The reason why they left the Bible and the Bible is there, the Bible transforms our mind so that when God speaks to us about prosperity, we don't think it's the devil. When God speaks to us about healing, we don't think it's the devil because there are people that think sickness is from God. You hear people saying that God is taking me through the sickness to test me. People say like God is God testing me through this cancer. God will never put the devil's weapon on you to test you. It's not God. It's not God giving you poverty. That's why you need to resist it, you see. As you are resisting it, saying to the devil, remember when Jesus was attacked by the devil, he told the devil, it is written. So you need to know what, what is written before you can receive the rhema. The rhema is going to come in unison to what is already written. So here it says we need to do checkup. Now, this is, this is critical because many, many Christians think they have faith because they read their Bible this morning. Faith is what comes to you as you read the Bible. While I'm reading the Bible, something must come to me. When that thing comes to me, now I have faith. Because there are people listening to me here and the people that have been listening to me for many years. How come some people go out and still fail? If faith just came by you hearing what I'm saying, how come two people in the same church, one passes it and one fails it? Because real faith is coming out of what you receive as rhema in you. And then you use that. It's like a teacher teaching in a, a class the class doesn't pass by hearing the teacher the students don't pass by hearing the teacher. because if they did every student in that class would have passed that is why there's number one to number 40 you can see them reading out and they can say you are number 14 class you're the last one why because even though you had everything that was had by everybody, but you did not put it inside so that it will come out of the inside to your head. So when you write it in the paper, you can get the answer right. Okay? Now, let's go to our next slide. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, giving substance to our hope. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So whatever hope you have, you have to have substance to that hope. So if I'm hoping to buy a house, I have to have substance to my hope. Now I can take the Bible, I can confess whatever the Bible is, is saying, but until the substance has come, I don't have the faith for the house, even though I'm confessing the word of God. I have to be waiting for the substance. Now, so here... The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, giving substance to our hope. Now, the Holy Spirit 
it's his job to give us the substance we need in order for that thing to come to pass. The Holy Spirit is in our spirits. The Holy Spirit is not in your flesh. You need to change your thinking. You have to change your mind. You have to, I don't know what you have to do, but you have to keep repeating this to yourself. I'm a spirit living in a body. Okay, you are a spirit. You are not your body. It's like how we call an, ast- an, an astronaut. An astronaut is a guy that is wearing that big suit, but there's a person inside. The astronaut is not his suit. There's a man inside that suit, and he's got that big helmet where he looks through. That big helmet is his visual. That's how he sees things outside of the suit. He has to have a visual outside of the suit. This body of flesh you have is your suit. You need a suit to be on planet Earth. These little windows here are the windows that the inside man uses to see outside. When God is going to speak to you, he won't speak to you through these ears because these ears are for hearing your people outside. This is part of your suit. God does not speak to this suit for you to hear. God speaks to the inside suit for you to hear. So the way you know you are hearing God is by what they call in the book of Romans, you know, bearing witness. So let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8 from verse 14. We're going to read verse 14, then we're going to jump to verse 16 in the book of Romans. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are led by the Spirit. Why do we need leading from the Spirit if confession of the word was enough? You are not ready to release your faith until... Listen to me, until there is an impression or a witness from your spirit. Okay, verse 16. Watch what verse 16 says. The spirit itself beareth witness with our minds that we are the children of God. I just read it wrong right now. The spirit of itself beareth witness with our spirit, not with our heads. So many people are saying, I'm waiting to hear God. They are wanting to hear a voice speaking to them. God will never speak to you through your ear so you can hear through this ear. It's always going to come in a way of a witness. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now your job as a born-again believer is to know when that witness is spoken. Until you know when the witness is spoken, you won't know when to get the building. You know there are many Christians confessing scripture, speaking God's word, but still not successful. I have met many, many unsuccessful Christians through my tenure as a pastor. Many Christians are not successful. Why? Because they read their Bible, they listened to a few CDs, and they ran ahead and they went to get it done, and it never worked. So they thought faith doesn't work. God only works when the word of God is confirmed by the witness. If that word is not confirmed by the witness, you are not ready to go and take it. All right. Somebody doesn't believe me. You believe me now in a moment. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 16 in the New Living. I want to show you something. Acts chapter 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller or a sangoma who earned a lot of money for her masters, for the things that she, from, from her master, the things that she was doing. She was fortune telling and doing all of these things. She followed along behind us shouting, Lucy, they met this sangoma girl 
he was following around shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell us how to be saved. Now stop there. He's shouting these words, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell us how to be saved. Now, I want to ask you a question. What's wrong with what they were shouting? I mean, this lady is shouting word. These are men of the servants of the Most High God. There's nothing wrong with this. He's shouting out, Paul and, um, you know, I think it's Barnabas here. They're going to do some, the work of the Lord. Then they're followed by this woman. She keeps shouting, these are the servants of the Most High God. They've come to tell you how to be saved. Now, watch verse 18. This went on day after day. Now, if you read the King James Version, it would say, this went on for many days. This went on day after day until Paul got so annoyed or exasperated that he turned and spoke to the demon within here and command and says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of here, watch here. And he said, and instantly it left her. Now I want to ask you a question because this is a thinking series. Okay. This Sangoma girl follows Paul and his um, companion. For many days. Why didn't Paul rebuke the devil on day one? The answer is because he couldn't. That's the answer. Why didn't Paul rebuke it two days later? Because the Bible says it went on day after day. This could have been a week. This could have been two weeks. This could be longer than that. It kept on going. It kept on going. It kept on going. But yet Paul could not get rid of this devil. Why? Why didn't he just turn the first day and say, There's a Sangoma. I rebuke you. Get out of here. Because Paul couldn't. But then, a few, some time later, maybe a week and a half later, there was a witness in his spirit to get rid of it. When the witness came, there was faith in him to get rid of that devil. If he tried it without the faith, the devil would not have gone out of that woman. It's important to understand that. Because I've seen Christians go ahead in any case. doesn't matter. I'm going to go get this person healed. How many of you have gone to a hospital bed and you laid your hands and you have in the spirit and you prayed and rebuked and you prayed and rebuked, but this person still died? Hello. You see, in the New Testament, what we have done is that in the, the new our in our time as the church as believers, we only whatever the words we know God wants people healed. We know by their stripes, by his stripes they were healed. We know the blood of Jesus really done it, but we are not ready to shoot until we load the bullet. The gun can shoot, yes, but I won't kill nobody until I load that gun. The gun has to have bullet inside, otherwise, it cannot shoot a bullet. Okay. So now, unless the witness is bearing witness to the word I believe for, and there's a witness in my spirit, I am not yet ready to go and launch. I have to have the witness. Therefore, when you read, I mean, I can show you many, many scriptures in the book of Acts, not even talking about Jesus, where Paul, go, where Peter goes to play, pray for, for Dorcas, and when he gets there to pray for her, the Bible says that he moved everybody out of the room, then Peter knelt on one side of the bed and he prayed. After Peter prayed, he turned to Dorcas and he said to commanded her to rise. 
Why did Peter first pray facing that way? Because Peter had to be 100% sure that he's got a witness before he went waking him up. Because without the witness, your faith won't work. So you need to be led by the Spirit. Now, this is so important, family. You have to be filled by the Spirit on a daily basis. When I say filled, when you are praying in tongues every day, that's why so much of our prayer is not effective. We pray in our normal language. You have to pray in the Spirit or in tongues every single day and be filled. There are two differences in feeling the same Holy Spirit. Everybody here born again has got a measure of the Holy Ghost in you. Everyone. You've got a measure of the Holy Spirit. When you got born again, the Holy Spirit got you born again and is living in you. But you are not full of him yet. When you're not, that's why in the Bible you see that the, they said they prayed and they were filled. They waited for Pentecost and they were filled at Pentecost. Why? Because when you are overflowing with that power, that's when you've got the ability to have the witness at all times. Pastor Lizon, I never goes one day without praying at least for an hour in the spirit day of every day of our lives. It is where we get the secrets. It doesn't matter how hard something is in my life. The moment I go praying in the spirit, I'm not just making noise. You know, you have to be cautious just making noise and just praying in the spirit to do your duty. I am praying while I'm listening to my heart. So I'm going, but my, my, I can't explain it, but there's something inside that is listening into my belly, something in my belly. I'm getting information from down here. So as I'm praying in the spirit, I have to pray until I'm filled. It's so critical because you can have the spirit. How many of you drink, I mean, you drink a glass of water, you know, you can drink a glass of water and you're still not full of water. And you think, geez, I need another glass. So you drink again. Geez, I think I need another glass. Depending on your size, you can drink a few more glasses until you are filled with water. Hello? The same with the Spirit. Everybody has got the Holy Ghost, but some of you, you are not filled. And if you can't speak in the Spirit, you're going to have difficulty with answers to things. But when you speak in the Spirit and you are listening to your inner ear as you pray in the Spirit, sometimes the answer doesn't come after you pray. It doesn't even come immediately. But as you are praying, what's happening is that the Holy Spirit is giving utterance to your spiritual man. That language you are praying is a heaven language put in you by God himself and it's coming out audible in your own mouth. You can pray in the Spirit and in your mind you can count from 1 to 10 praying in the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit... Because the, the, that utterance is coming straight out of your being through your mouth, bypassing your brain. If you want solutions to hard, difficult things, you have to bypass your brain. Because many times up here it's full of sand. Amen. You have to bypass that and go. So here... Paul doesn't rebuke this girl immediately because Paul didn't have the power to do so because he had, didn't have the witness to do so. Without the witness, you cannot do it. But the good thing is this. God can give you a witness to things daily. 
It's not audible. It's daily. And it doesn't just come to you if you just want to hear it by teaching. You have to, be, you have to spend time in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to your Spirit, giving you utterance, and you are being given utterance, you're going to learn how to hear Him more and 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 more until you can hear the Spirit of God much more clearer than what you are hearing now. Let's go to the next slide. Our faith confessions must never override the Holy Ghost illumination. Let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs, chapter 20. Our faith confessions must never override our Holy Ghost illumination. God is going to give you direction by illuminating your spiritual man. Watch what he says in the KJV. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man. Not the flesh, not the ears, not the, there's not the eyes of men. The spirit of men is the candle or the light bulb. What it means here is that if God wants you to know where you are going, he does it by putting a candle in your spirit. The, your, your spiritual man is a candle. So in other words, if God wants to show you whether to marry Sarah, Jessica, or Pauline, he puts a light in your spirit. That light is what tells you don't dare touch her. He puts a light in your spirit. It's very, it's vital. I was reading yesterday a boy who the parents went somewhere to do, you know, where they do the sliding on the, you know, you know, Christmas time, people go then summer, and they were sliding down those slides. And they went, then the 10 year old boy, as he was sliding down, hit his head as he went down here. He slammed his head somewhere, some rock somewhere, and on the slide there, and the boy died right there. What, what this means is we can't just take our confession of faith and run with it without getting an illumination in our spirits. Do I do that deal? Do I buy that thing? Do I leave it alone? Do I not touch it? Very vital. It doesn't matter how much money is going to come with that deal. It doesn't matter if the door is open and they're saying, come in, come in. The door is wide open. They're all dressed nice and there's good music and it's wide open and they're calling you in. It doesn't mean you have to go in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So, so you have to be led by the Spirit. And what I like about this message is that this separates the children from the sons. Children still want to enjoy church without the work. Children want the... Have you noticed that children want to play the video games without going to work for the money to pay for the lights? Children. Children want to complain about everything, about how bad the food is without wanting to work and buy the food themselves. Those are children. But sons understand what it takes. When you are still at that level, where you just want to come to church to be encouraged, you are going to miss a lot about Jesus. But when you go home and you really want to make it up your mind, I'm going to learn how to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to learn how to speak in, the, in, in tongues. I'm going to daily make it my desire to be led by the Spirit. You will never, ever live one day broke ever again in your life. Never. Someone said, never say never. Go to Job chapter 36, verse 11. I didn't put it down there, but it just got impressed in my spirit. Job 36, 11. Right now, I want to show you something here. It's very, very powerful. If they obey and serve him, who God, 
they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in poverty. No, pleasures. If they obey what? Obey the rhema and serve him. Wherever he's called them to serve, they shall spend all their days, their days, prosperity, and their years in pleasure. Don't tell me to be broke and busted and disgusted. I just read Job 36, 11. All I need is obey and serve him, and I will spend all my days in prosperity. I don't care if this prophet Shabaluba who comes down the road and gives me some word. I, I will not listen to Shabaluba. Why? Because the word has just told me. All I need is to obey and I'll spend all my days in prosperity and all my years in pleasures. That's it. All my days. So, so I'm, I'm not going to spend one day broke again. Before I knew, I knew all, all of this, I used to be scared. I used to say, never say never. Never say never because, you know, until I went to the Bible and I googled never say never and I never found it. And I realized that that did not come from God. That came from some devil somewhere. So I changed my whole mind about it. So here the key here, you have, let me say this to you, family. If you can walk this way, you don't need a counselor to help you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Not prophet Jubaluba. Prophet Jubaluba can take you right down a valley of death. The Holy Spirit is a better counselor than Pastor Wellington because he knows all your nyanyas. You can tell me the good side I want to see, but he knows what you do in the dark. Hello? He is the best counselor of them all. So when I was younger... As a younger preacher. Now I'm still young. And people don't, many people don't know my age. So they think, oh, this guy is a youngster. <laughs> you know, I just grow in age, but I never age. That's the thing. I grow in years, never age. But this is the thing. Many times as I was growing up as a young Christian, sometimes I listened to somebody's story and Satan wasted my time. I would be so, as pastor, on Sundays I'll be working. I'll be out of the house on Sundays. Sometimes I'll come from preaching and I am out visiting people, counseling problems the whole time. This is what was the problem. I didn't know that I needed a witness before I went out. I just went out because I'm busy. I'm a servant. Until Jesus says to me, you are not the people's servant. You are my servant, not the people's servant. You must hear my word. And this is what the Lord said. This changed me. The Lord said to me, you can't do better counseling to anybody than the message you give them from the pulpit. Because when you're on the pulpit, you are the most anointed. And he says this to me. He says, all their answers they need is in the sermon. He says, there's nothing extra you can give anybody except what you've already told them to do. Now, I've already told you during this message, Pray in the spirit every day for an hour. Pray in the spirit. Be filled daily. I've already given you that counsel. You don't need anything extra from me after that because anything I'll tell you after that will be from my head. It won't help you. So now, I used to run trying to cancel that person over there and I was busy trying to cancel 
whatever led them. And I figured out that this parent, when their children was two years old, their child was two years old, their children, they never took them to church. Pastors told them, bring your children to church, they didn't want. No, it's fine. You know, they're cute. They're at home. They didn't want to bring them to church. They didn't want them to listen to the gospel. They didn't want to expose to them. They're busy loving them. Now, the child grows and he gets to 15. You want to bring him to church by force because he's got wrong friends in the world. He's 15 now and he'll tell you, Come to church. You have to go to church with me today. Otherwise, I'm going to wake you. He's going to tell you, If you hit me, I'll report you. Because if he was five years old and he came into China school and then the teacher opened the book of Proverbs, if spoil, you know, what is it, spoil the whip? Spare the rod, spoil the child. They would have been taught that at five years old. Spare the, that would have been something engraved in their spiritual man. By the time they go to 15, they would go to church because they know if I play around, they didn't have to wait for you. The Holy Spirit himself will speak to them about what they need to do. But because the parent never took them to church, never spent time with God, and you'll be talking about other people in front of them, and they're growing up just like you. They're hating other people. They don't like other people. And you keep on growing them up. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> And you tell him, hey, that, 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 that all there, that all, that, he'll be swearing somebody. And he's, I went to Malokazi and I was sworn by a four-year-old boy. When I was in Malokazi, he swore me, that guy. He said, hey, bro, bro, what, 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 which pose are you buying here? So I told him, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm going, because you know, which pose, he wasn't which house I went. So I, so I told him, no, no, I'm buying that pose over there. He swore me F&B, man. Why not come into my pose? He swore four years old. It's true story. He thought he was just talking to me, but he was just speaking what he heard mommy and daddy say in the house. Now, he's speaking to him like that. Is for, it's cute when he swears and he's four years old. Everybody's funny. He gets to 16. He's swearing everybody. He's swearing you back. He gets to 21. He says, I'm 21. I have got my key. You don't tell me nothing. He gets on drugs, right? A new pastor comes to town to have a crusade. You take that child, you take him to the crusade, thinking that the pastor will lay hands on that child and change everything you taught him. It won't happen. This is what the Lord said to me. He says, this, most parents have already set spiritual law in their children, and I cannot, you cannot reverse it. The answer for that kid who is now on drugs at 21 was in the sermon and was in your duty at home in filling them with the Holy Ghost, teaching them the word of God, telling them when correcting them. It was not in you liking them to an extent where you did not give them the word of God. Because of that, the Lord said to me, you are spending five hours with this person. Because I've been there. I went to, one girl was committing suicide right here. 
And we, in Toti, and we spent hours and hours and hours and we convinced him and he left. But two years down the line, he jumped off that tree again and he killed himself. We stopped him temporarily, but he still committed suicide a few years down the line. Because no matter what I say to him, the parents just wanted me to correct the problem, but the problem had been engrafted by him not going to listen to a sermon when he should have listened to a sermon. Parents, you will not know how important it is to have your children in church on a Sunday to Sunday basis without making excuses. When you make those excuses, ah, let's just sleep in today. Uh, when pastor calls, let's say, um, hey, wait a puncher. Now, now you've said that in front of your kid who is five. He thinks, okay, next time I go with my friends, we come home late because we're busy doing the naughty thing. Let's just tell a puncher, he's going to use the exact same thing on you because you are setting laws on him. So you have to make up your mind, I am going to, I am even at home, I am not going to make excuse because the answers you need are in the sermon. Three, four Christmases ago, Pastor Lee and them were doing shopping. They were shopping out there with the, 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 the her, her family was here. Maybe five, six, I don't know, maybe longer than that. Their family was here, they were all doing shopping and they were driving and they are doing this. And I was at home so frustrated trying to cancel this couple. They're not from church, they're from outside. They're from another church, but they left their pastor to come to this pastor because maybe this pastor will tell them something else because this pastor doesn't know them. You know, nowadays you can pick pastors. Okay, this one, no. That one, no. Okay, maybe, maybe that. Okay, that, let's try. That guy's a nice guy. You go there. Let me see. It's not in a man. It's in the Holy Ghost. So anyway, they came and I spent time with them. They wanted to, to divorce and, and I convinced them, guys, divorce is not of the Lord. Don't do it. Please don't do it. You know, your children will be in And I spent, as personally, I spent hours. Then they'll phone me in the night and I'll cancel on voice, on, on voice, on the, I'll pray for them. I wish I knew this. And I'm counseling on the phone. I was so exhausted. Then they'll phone me. Then suddenly they'll just, now, now they knew where I stayed. So they just drove to my house. I see the wife, which will come in there. She's crying. And I, I want also to cry with them like, Jesus, I, I, I don't know how to solve this problem. It's... I also want to cry because I don't know how to solve it because I'm not the Holy Ghost. Then it's not even 10 minutes later. He comes there. They come in there. All of them rushing in there. They sit down. Then I have to sit down there. And, you know, and sometimes I'm wearing my shorts. I have to run quickly and put your pants on. Because, you know, when your members see you with the shorts, they think you're not anointed. So you go, you put your pants up and your shirt. Because <laughs> I'm just relaxing at home. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, I'm telling you, sometimes church folk are so religious. They want you to go to the beach with a suit. If you're a pastor. I've met people at the, at the beach before. They'll be like, how oh, fast are you going to shorts today? But now my, but now my pants, my pants is at home. And I'll be at the <laughs> So now I figured out, carry your, your sachel, carry your spare pants at the back. If you see your, a church guy, if you just see someone from church, find the closest bush. 
<laughs> I've got revelation knowledge. I've got a witness. So now I've got my bag there and I do my thing. No. Anyway. So I just used to go there without illumination and just go there without illumination and do things until the Lord said to me, this couple, this God spoke to me, it was almost audible. It says to me, this couple, you're trying to help, you will never be able to help them, they're going to divorce. When they were newly married, I sent pastors to, to, to counsel them, to bring them to church. I sent people to their home. I, I, I got them to a church. I asked them to be involved. I, 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 I commanded them to go there every out here for home sales to try and bring them in the work. I had sales for them that didn't want to come. There were church sermons that didn't want to come. I even got good speakers from overseas. They didn't want to come to listen to the speakers. They were too busy doing life. They did not want to come. And the Lord said to me, the answer for their marriage was in the sermon. Because while the pastor was preaching, he would have just said, communication is key. Anyone here having a problem, please come to the front. Let's lay hands and pray for you. It could have been solved 20 years ago, but you are trying to solve it 25 years later. They've already set divorce laws in motions, and you can't change it. They are divorced today. They divorced. They did. Sudden did. They did, and I couldn't stop it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? We cannot just run around feeling sorry. We have to have an ear that hears the Spirit of God. Before I just used to help anybody. Please give me money. You know, I have friends, folk, family, and I was so passionate. I was so merciful. I would just give everybody money until the Lord told me you are financing their devils. You think I don't love them enough to help them. He says, they're coming to you, they're crying, they're always short. You don't know what they do in the dark. The moment you give your money again to them, you're going to be joining with whatever is on their lives and you're not doing it anymore until I give you a witness. I wonder why you never have money. Because you've been giving bra- brazus. <laughs> and brazus today, you know what he's doing while he's at church? Brazus is so drunk, he can't even see. He sees split people. And Brazus is run out of transport money later on now because he's getting sober tomorrow's work. Brazus gives you a call. Hey, hey, sister, please, please, man. I need transport money. Hey, please, my sister. You give him 300 rand transport money. You have just joined your money with whatever is on Zuzu's life. You have to learn these things, family. Otherwise, your faith will not work. Last slide, and I'm going to close because this is important. Because next week I have got other things that are very important. It's not faith in faith, it's faith in God. It's not faith in faith, it's faith in God. We must understand that our faith is in God, not in faith, in the ability that we've got faith. In our ability that we know the word. Our faith has to be in God. God has to be the author of um, that faith. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to close just now in the next five minutes. I'm about five, ten minutes, but give me that because this is important. After this, David asked the Lord, should... Now, this is King David, family. After all the things that... After this, uh, David asked the Lord, should I move back to Judah? And the Lord... This is just... David is asking him, What's wrong in David just picking up and going to Judah tomorrow? But David said, should I move back to Judah? And the Lord replied, yes. Then David asked, which town should I go to? And the Lord replied, Hebron. This is what I want you to get. David could not even go to stay in a city without asking God which one. 
Because if you are in the wrong town, you can get hit by a car and die today. You get what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to say is that you have to have a witness for whatever you do in your life. So your faith mustn't be in your ability that you know stuff. Your faith should be in God all the time. Now, last week, I had had an offer. Many people wouldn't refuse. Wouldn't refuse. I mean, you know, I had an offer with one. I won't say the organization. the prominent organization because I don't want to say they might be watching. So, you know, I don't want to expose that. And I don't want to say people's names from the pulpit. But I went off where I was told, you know, please can you be part of this thing? They said, we have already come together on our own and we've already chosen you. You are the best candidate for this. I'm not talking about last month, last week. So they called me on Monday. We, 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 the, the moment we just thought of a person, we know residents of Amanzim Toti. We know who they are. We know they are who, many of them. But you have come out on top. We know your integrity. We want you, Pastor Wellington, to be, come to be part of the head of this thing because we know who you are and we want you there. We have already decided you'll be the right person. And these are, these are people of integrity. And there may be 10 of them. Do you think 10 people of integrity would miss God, surely? Ten people, good people. Some of them are even, you know, pastors' wives and all of that. Do you think ten people voting for me would miss God? Because I got ten out of ten. <laughs> oh, it's quiet in this Presbyterian. <laughs> if you go by how many people voted for you, you will miss God, they will miss God, everybody will miss God, and the thing just breaks down. So they phoned me, and on the phone they told me, listen, we want you. You are the person we are. I went home when they spoke to me. Suddenly, in my spirit, I can't explain it, family, the check, the green light. is We're going to talk about this as we go in the next couple of Sundays, but this is vital. From today, I hope you're not going to miss church again because the answers to your problems are in, your sem- in the sermon. So I was thinking, oh, man. The moment they told me that, do this when you get home, that when the Spirit speaks to you, or if he's saying no to something, it feels like you are washing your feet with your socks on. Or you are showering. How many of you have tried to shower with your clothes on, like if you're at a beach or something, you want to shower? It's very odd, isn't it? You, to shower with your clothes on it doesn't feel right. So it just, didn't feel, it just didn't feel right to me. It was like, even though they were saying everybody voted and you know, it was going to be something nice, it would even really lift up the church way more because of that group. But yet in my spirit, I am having a fight. It was like, I, there, is no, there is no, I can't explain that thing. Pastor Lee, no, from way back where uh, uh, the spirit of discernment. I'll, talk, I'll tell Lee, to Pastor Lee about people. It's the same with it. I'll tell her about somebody who I don't know about their life. And I tell you, see this guy, this is going to happen if they don't. She knows it. And exactly that way. God has used me a lot in that. Anyway, but in my spirit, I knew this is definitely, I mean, this thing looks good. Good, everybody has voted. To live this way is very hard. But that's the way of the cross. Because your natural instinct is to say yes yeah oh thank you because you don't want to make anybody sad 
But then the Lord said to me, do you know that scripture? It's better to please God than men. Now the rhema has been quickened in my spirit through what I know in the Bible. I had to have logos in here so it can be quickened. Then I waited. It was hard. So I, didn't, I couldn't even tell them personally. I had to write an email. Because I felt so bad. Because I knew I'm the right person for the job. I knew that. But yet Jesus said you shouldn't. He gave me my reasons. And I have my reasons. Not the, it was not them. It was me. So I couldn't do it with them. So I had to send them an email politely and I had to tell them, listen, I I value it. And I said, this is the issue. And I listed one or two or three things in the email that to to make them have the light, to just let them know. I'm not saying no, to say no, but this is the reason why. Unfortunately, even though you have all anonymously agreed that I must do this thing, but on my side, I'm not able to do it. Um, I have to let it pass for now, but please accept my apology. And I wrote them that email and I sent them the email and they received it. And they took about an hour or two, I think, to process it because it was hard for them because they'd really put you know me as the candidate and they had to come back to me and they said look mr lamino we respect your decision what am i trying to say it doesn't matter how good it is if there's no witness you cannot do it i don't know what would happen later I don't know if I would have messed up my name. Maybe I would have made a stupid decision. I don't know why God didn't want me to be there. Maybe just didn't want me to be there. Sometimes there's no reason, but God doesn't just want you to be there. Maybe that would take your time away from the things you do. God knows the reasons why, but I don't have to ask the master because my faith is not in my faith. My faith is in God. I have to obey God first before whatever I'm confessing. I know I'm healed. I know I'm well. I know God wants me prosperous. I know I'll spend my days in eternity and all my years in pleasures. I know the word. I confess that word. But before I run with that confession, I would have easily taken a job. If I obeyed, say, I spent all my days in prosperity, just then and took the position. And I would have made a big, big mistake. The moment I said no to it, it was like a cloud lifted off me. And I was free, man. And I knew this wasn't God's plan for my life. Now, the faith for me that time was to say no. That's the faith God gave me, was no. If God says yes, it was yes, I would have done. But he said no, and I had to say no. But watch, watch the tricky thing. I would have still said yes, and I would have still done it. Because the door was already opened. But the no was a reversal of to obey the green light in my spirit. Folk, do me a favor when you go home. Begin to make your home a home where Jesus lives. Make make it that place. Don't let it be a, a home where you criticize innocent men. When they killed Jesus when he was on the cross, somebody says, behold, they crucified an innocent man. I want to hear God so much. Like what Pastor Lee was saying, that I don't want to speak ill about somebody else because that will stop me from hearing the voice. It's everything to me. If you are in the wrong town, if you've got the wrong family, the wrong place, 
your life will be shortened because you are at the wrong place. It has happened to my life many, many, many numerous times. I've seen it happen. I've seen people make decisions and they thought it was a good decision because I said this on Thursday and JC said it. When you, before you come to a church, the reason why God brings you to a church, any church organization, especially if God has called it, the reason why you are here today, you don't even know it. You think you are just here. In the spiritual realm, you were open over here. When God brings you to a ministry that is anointed, he puts you behind a wall in the spirit. Go read in the book of Job. The Bible says that Job had a wall around about him. Job had a wall. Only God and the devil could see that wall. I have to do this. Can I have six guys, but we're going to social distance. Six guys, please, on the stage. Let's, let, let me move this. It's fine. I can do it. can stand there. Oh, Bishop. <laughs> Just stand there in a circle, please. Can you stand in a circle? Just in a circle. Stand in a circle where, where I can see you guys. Um, you can stand in a circle. Obviously, um, you are stand there right there. Sir. If you were uh, more, more closer, yeah? Yeah, like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Who can I call? Joel, come because you light, brother. You can you stand out like a sore thumb in, in the middle of these guys. All right. All these guys are dark, man. You see, he, he was... Do you want to look like us, like me? You go in the middle there, brother. Okay. Maybe let's start you outside. Come outside here. Yeah. Before, before Joel was born again, or even though he was born again, God will spend all the time in the world trying to find Joel, the church anointing he fits in. That can take you years. Never neglect Sometimes you only find certain people once in your life. It's not a duplication. So, you, 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 Joel is trying to say, Father, I don't know what I'm going to do. Things are hard for me. My life is not going well. You know, Father, you know, everything I touch is not working. You know, I mean, things are, are difficult for me. Then God says, the only way I'll fix his life is I'll put him in a church. So, Joel comes to pray the prayer here. He joins that church. He begins to live in that church. Guess what's happened in the spirit? Joel is moved out of way. Is Joel going in the circle here? Joel is moved, and Joel suddenly in the spiritual realm, even though Joel is normal outside, in the spiritual realm, Joel has got an anointing covering him. Poverty was on Joel before. The only way it can stay on Joel, if it's Joel keeps on believing in his head, he's poor. If he keeps on his head, he's going to be sick. If he keeps on believing in his head, he's the one who will carry it, but he's got a wall. And around this wall, there is prosperity and healing and goodness. Everything is around the wall here, protecting him in the spiritual realm. So as Joseph, uh, what's his name? Joel begins to obey and Joel begins to, to praise God and to thank God as he's obeying God and is beginning to say, look, let me flow with the same anointing in this ministry. Suddenly, whatever is in the war begins to come on Joseph. Whatever is in the war is coming on Joseph. It's coming on him. But this is the trick. Man, we're running out of time. Must I finish this next week? Or must I finish now? All right. So... This is the trick. As Jose gets prosperous in his life. Huh? Okay, Joel. Sorry, Joel. Joel and Jose look like. As Joel gets prosperous in his life, because he was poor, 
before. As it starts to get prosperous, suddenly, I'm not using the inside, I'm using the outside, and I'm healed, do you understand? Suddenly, he's in the spirit. When he looks down, when he looks on himself, he doesn't see the poor, poverty clothes anymore. He sees a new jacket and he sees prosperity on him. When he looks on himself, wow, look at me. Look, look at, wow, he's seeing prosperity. It's not the same anymore. He's now healed. He's well. This is what Satan does to him because his armor is so shining with the glory of God and God is blessing him through that anointing. He begins to think, you know what? Uh, 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 you know, I'm such a great person. You see, I can do great things. Look what I've done in four years. Since I've been in this church, look what I've done in four years. I have done this and I've done that and I've done this and I'm a powerful person. Now I'm ready to go on my own. I don't need that anointing. He doesn't say it like that. He's saying it nicely. I have to move on. But as he's doing that, he doesn't know he's stepping out of the wall. He's got no clue he's stepping out of the wall. That's why you see things. So He's the, so what Satan does, Satan keeps on calling him. So I'll play the devil. He keeps saying, Joel, you're wasting your time. Here you can play bass guitar over here. You're wasting your time there. You know if you're here, how much money you have. You're wasting your time. Because Joel has learned more skill and more knowledge. Now he thinks, for sure I'm wasting my time. So the devil comes to lie to him. Then he says, Satan, I rebuke you. But after a while, he begins to think, hey, you know what? I've built so much. Imagine if I didn't have to tithe in this church. 10% every month. Ah, yeah, it's too much. It's bad deal. Hey, hey, hey. 10%. So maybe if I go there, I'll use my 10%. I'll put this money in this investment, and I'll buy this car, and I'll buy that thing, and I'll do that. And after all, look at how wise I've become. You know, so that's what the devil did to Eve. Get out of that garden. That garden was a protection. Come out of it. So Sarah begins to want him to play and say, Joel, come. He's calling him. Joel comes a little bit, then he stops. He feels, ah, but you know what? Let me just, so Satan is calling him out. Come, Joel. He's coming. Come, brother, come. Look at how beautiful it is out there. Come, come, Joel, come. Come, you know, come. Don't worry about that. Then he lets Joel, when Joel is out here, everything looks like it's okay. But now, the Satan has got him already. Satan is now his leader, leading him. He thinks he's leading himself, but the devil is leading him wherever he wants him to go. Leads him for three, four, five years, okay. But Satan is a liar. He's after his life. He's after his generations. He's after destroying him. Walks out of that anointing where God has placed him. He is now on his own. Sickness and disease is prowling the world. There's disease there. There are sicknesses here. Here comes this thing. There was a war before. Joel had no, the, the, the COVID could not hit Joel and kill him, even though it attacked him. But COVID could not kill him because the war kept on re- producing what he needed. 
So even though it's coughing inside here, but there's a light inside here breaking that pump, breaking that thing. It can't get to his lungs. It can't get to pneumonia. It has to break down. It's breaking. The moment it's out there, that thing just comes here, sits on him. Three, four days, Joel is dead. We have to now bury Joel. Why? Because Joel has walked out of the wall. You can't walk out without that witness. You need to be in that place. Why? Because that's the place of your anointing. That's the place of your prosperity. That's the place of your healing. That's the place of your long life. You, you see, that's how God. You see, these things are not taught. And when people are taught these things, they think maybe you are being, you are being, um, what do they call it? They say you are being religious or you are not being, you are not being agey enough. But these are spiritual truths. They can make some of you multi-billionaires for the kingdom in this church. These truths, okay. And if I want to apologize for last week, I'll give you coffee, right? But the thing is, I'm not going to get you to church for coffee. Hey, hey, come to church. We've got the best coffee. We've got lattes. We've got a, well, that's fine. You can have a latte, whatever you call it, Americano. You can do it. But for me, you have to have this word. My plea to you is never, ever take for granted the place where God has brought you and placed you. Because in that place, that's why you begin to look good. Have you seen that all your friends will say, wow, look how you look. There's glory in the wall. Wow, you're amazing. But if that amazing gets to your head, Please, family, I apologize for this because I think some of people don't know this, but Pastor Linda, I apologize on your behalf. You see, after church, we leave and we go to the pastor's lounge straight away. It's not because we don't want to meet anybody. We know it was locked out, it was COVID. We love you guys. We'll meet you any day. But this is the problem. I used to do that before. And you know what happens? Every after service, people come to you and they say, Dad, what a powerful message today. Wow. They are petting my back. I don't need my back to be encouraged about the word because it's not me doing it. Otherwise, if it gets to my head, it gets to me. When it gets to me, you don't have a pastor anymore. You're going to say, Lord, bring it, they show off. You understand? So now, so now I need to be able to walk and go there without getting anything good or bad about what happened. It's okay once in a while, Paul can say it was powerful. That's fine. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm saying that sometimes you can get it. Sometimes in between the good, you will send three bad. Oh, pastor, it was so sweet. The word. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Glory to God. In the highest. I like it when you I like it when you say that word. What's the word? The key word? Flee. Run. That's the word. Hallelujah. You know, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, gentlemen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. All right, firm, listen to our feet. We're out of time. Amen. Listen, this is not time wasted. This is important, what you have learned today. Amen. 
Your answers are in your sermon. Hallelujah. That's where it is. I'll encourage you. Join us on Highway Radio. Come like us when we are busy there. Join us on Thursdays on Faith Self. Join there. Amen. And hear the word. There's an anointing every time. Amen. There's anointing every time. Thank you, Jesus. 